0: Episode number 80. When we find ourselves afraid, we must examine the direction of our fear and where it's leading us. Is our fear dragging us down or is it lifting us up? Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Meterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterah with this week's Torah podcast. The Torah portion of the week is Vayishlach. Should we be afraid? Healthy fear and personal growth. We're going to have a powerful parable about playing dice, a great story about Shach and peace in your home, laziness after marriage. And now, the Torah portion of the week with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So this week we're going to talk about fear. Why we get afraid, when we should be afraid, and what to do when we're afraid. Towards the beginning of the Parsha, it says like this, The angels returned to Yaakov, saying, We came to your brother, to Esav. Moreover, he is heading towards you, and 400 men are with him. And Yaakov became very frightened, and it distressed him. So he divided the people with him, and the flocks, and the cattle, and the camels, into two camps. He said, if Esau comes to one camp and strikes it, then the remaining camp will be a refuge. Then Yaakov said, God of my father Avraham, and God of my father Yitzhak, Hashem, who said to me, return to your land and to your birthplace, and I will do good to you. I have been diminished by all the kindness and by all the truth that you have done for your servant. For with my staff I have crossed the Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Rescue me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he come and strike me, mother and child. And you had said, I will surely do good with you, and I will make your offspring like the sand of the sea. Which is too numerous to be counted. So we see that Yaakov is afraid. He's afraid that Asaph's going to come with his 400 men. So he starts to pray. And he mentions all the blessings that Hashem promised him. And they go back to Pasik. Behold, I am with you, and I will guard you wherever you go. I will return you to the soil. I will not forsake you until I have done what I have spoken for you. So we see that Yaakov became afraid. But on the other hand, we see all the blessings that Hashem promised him. And Yaakov starts to pray, Please remember, please remember all the promises you did for me. But still the Ramban says, Yaakov did not rely on his righteousness to protect him from harm. Rather, he exerted himself with his every capability in order to secure his salvation. And this is to teach future generations. Because everything that occurred to our forefather Yaakov with Esau will continue to occur with Esau's descendants. And therefore, it's fitting for us to hold on to the path of the righteous, which is Yaakov, and to prepare ourselves with three items. What did he prepare himself with? With prayer and gifts And preparing for war. So we see from here that Yaakov didn't just rely on his righteousness. He actually repaired himself. He did something. Here comes Asaph. What am I going to do? So Revobi wants to add on to this. That the Avos, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov understood that since the world ran al there's a nature to the world. So therefore, we also have to act according to the laws of nature. Yaakov didn't just say, Hashem, you're in charge, you take care of everything. That's not what happened. And he didn't just pray. He did everything in his power to protect him and his family. And this is the Jewish way. Not just to say, oh God, you take care of everything. No, we have to do ishtadlus. We have to do what's in our power to do. And then Hashem will give us the blessing. He tells a story about Rev. Leiv. Who, who urged all the bachrim, all the mere the yeshiva, to flee to Japan. And there was many people who fought against him. But no, he pushed, because Rabbi Yerucham it's impressed on him that a person can't rely on miracles. We can't rely on miracles. And thank God, in the end, they listened to the Rav, and, and everybody went to Japan, and they were saved. It brings the Rav from the Shulchan Ark. It says, even when a person takes medication, he's supposed to pray. May it be your will that this endeavor provide a cure for me. So, it's a combination of acting and praying. But Rabbi Vigdemir He says, like this wait a second. It says in Chavos it's in the duties of the heart, like this Among the benefits of betachon, of faith, the mind is free from worldly matters. And his joy is whatever he encounters, because he trusts that Hashem will only do good for him. And whatever Hashem does is the best. So, if that's true, why was Yaakov afraid? And he starts getting ready for war and and separating the camps. So he wants the answers. No. Chavos levavos, the duties of the heart, is only referring to circumstances that have no immediate danger. But if there's something really in front of you that's dangerous, you don't say, oh, no problem, Hashem will take care of it. No. He says, Hashem desires that men become greatly afraid of Him. And when they see immediate danger, Confronting him, I should act. And there's two parts. The first part is to gain the fear of God and recognize that we need him and to call out to him. And the second thing is to act. So the first thing is prayer. Something's really happening. You have to to pray and you have to act, which is actually a beautiful chiddush because it, it makes the difference. The difference is if something is not immediate. So, of course, you shouldn't worry. You should sleep at night. You should do whatever you can, but you have to have faith. And you have to trust that Hashem's going to take care of you. But if something is there right in front of you immediately, you have to go according to the laws of nature, and you have to protect yourself. People get confused with this. They think, oh, have faith in Hashem. No problem. No, we have to go according to nature, and that's what the Ramban is saying, and that's what the Ramban are saying here. But the question comes back, because in this case, Yaakov was promised that he's going to be okay. You saw all those pesukim, all those verses that say Hashem's going to take care of him. So why was he scared? So if of Shalofarosh brings a Midrash, it says like this, a righteous person has no absolute assurance in this world. Every promise is conditional. Why? It depends on the continued righteous conduct of that person. And it could be forfeited at any time with one wrong step. And that's why it says, Yigrom Yaakov was afraid that maybe he sinned. And he knew that if he sinned, he could lose all of his promises. The promises are not forever. The promise is depending on his behavior. And he adds another beautiful idea. It says he was afraid and he was distressed. So the lush in there, the language of distress, is Yetzir. He was in a narrow place. So he says, this is true about all the Jewish people in relationship to Asaph. For all the generation. For all the centuries we found ourselves limited. He says, our lives and our happiness are not the guiding and determining factor. Rather, they're dependent on the graces and the aims of others. And we must suffice ourselves with the crumbs that happen to fall from the table of the happiness of the other nations. Yaakov felt he was entirely at the mercy of Esau. And that's why he divided the camps, hoping that one camp will survive. And that's been true by all the Jewish people throughout history. Because we're all over the place and nations never destroyed us. And that was the extra stress that Yaakov was feeling. He understood that what was happening now is also going to happen to his children for generations and it caused him distress. But why was Yaakov afraid that Asaf's gonna be defeated? And that's because Asaf also had schus. he also had merit. The Ramchal explains. When he said, Asaf, my brother, my brother who has the same father. And we know that Asaf did tremendous Kivud Ava aim. He honored his father tremendously. More than Yaakov. So Yaakov was afraid, maybe on the schus. That Aesap gave tremendous kavod to Yitzchak, and that's maybe he, I mean, he's gonna kill me. He's gonna wipe out my family. And he had another schus, which brismila. It says in the Pasik, for I fear him, Ki yire oto. So he asked, if Yaakov is asking Hashem to help him, of course he's afraid. Why does he have to say he's afraid? So you want to say the word otok and also if you take off the verb, you have the word ois. A simon. Which is a simon? The bris milah. I'm afraid of my brother. I'm afraid of the merit that my brother has. Maybe he's going to be able to overpower me. Because of these two mitzvahs, aim and bris mila. And Rav Moshe Feinstein explains that he was afraid that it's true. Okay, maybe I'll survive or part of us will survive. Or maybe part of the people will be lost. There's no guarantee that the fulfillment of all the promises is going to come painlessly. Who says it's going to go smoothly? Maybe some people are going to be killed. And along the same lines, he brings a Rashi that says, Yaakov was frightened. Why? Maybe he'll be killed. And he was distressed because maybe he's going to have to kill others. So why was distressed that he's going to have to kill others? He's in self-defense. He's allowed to kill him. The answer was, if that was true, that means that he was off if that's the way that he's going to be saved because he has to kill somebody else, surely something's wrong. Maybe he's sinned. Why I came to this situation? Why I have to come and kill somebody? Is that the way the promise is going to be fulfilled? Why can't it just be fulfilled in an easier way? And it brings a beautiful raya that when the Jewish people came to Eretz Yisrael, so some of the houses became afflicted with Saras, leprosy. So when a house has leprosy, they have to take the house apart brick by brick. And what happened when they took the houses apart? They found treasures that were hid there from the nations from before them. So you would think, wow, what a great gift. Look, they took apart their houses and they found all this money. So he says it's true they found money, but why did they have to come this way? Because they spoke lash and hara and they had to take apart the house And they found these gifts. But if that's the way to get rich, Hashem could have made a different way for them to get rich. So Yaakov was saying the same thing. Why is this happening to me? Maybe I'm going to have to kill somebody? That means I'm off. That means there's something wrong. That's what he was afraid of. And the base of Levi continues in these lines. And he says like this. His main concern was for the glory of Hashem. Because maybe his sins would stop the Creator being good to him and his descendants. And he brings a proof from Avram of where the verse says, For I know him, and I know that he would charge his children and his household after him, and they will keep the ways of Hashem, upholding charity and justice. And this way, Hashem is going to be able to give the blessing to the children, which means Avraham will charge his children to be righteous, thereby enabling Hashem to act out his goodwill towards them. So in this case, the basic levy says, the reward of a sin is a sin. And it's going to be a chelo Hashem. Why? Because Hashem wants to do good for us. What happened? Jacob was afraid. Maybe he sinned. Because you see what's happening, he's being punished. And why is this happening? Because a sinner forces the punishment to come. And that punishment itself is the of Hashem. People say, hey, what's with this guy? He looks like a righteous guy. Why is he getting all this suffering? So the base of Levi that he was afraid that he's not going to be able to bring Hashem into the world. Because if he's going to get punished, and we know that the future generations are also going to get punished, so people won't believe in God. They say, where is this God who told us to do these mitzvahs and they're supposed to do these mitzvahs and everybody's doing the mitzvahs and they're getting punished. What's happening? They'll see the Jews being punished and they'll say, where's God? And the Nagur Ariye also says it was a spiritual fear. Why? He has the difficulty again. The halach is, if someone comes to kill you, you kill them first. So why was Yaakov afraid to kill so he says that since 400 men were coming, he didn't know exactly which ones were coming to kill him. Maybe some of them don't really want to kill him and he'll wind up killing them. Which means he'll do a sin. And if that happens, he'll lose everything. He'll lose all his blessings because the blessings are dependent on his righteousness. Now the base of Levi also brings a totally different approach. You have to hear this. The verse said, Save me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esav. So why does it have to say both? The hand of my brother and the hand of Esav? Just say, from the hand of my brother, Esav. Why, the hand of my brother, the hand of Esav. So what did Yaakov fear? He said, either way, he's afraid. Or he's afraid he's going to be acting like Esav and he's going to want to kill me. Or he was afraid that maybe he's going to act like my brother. And that he was really afraid of. He was afraid that he was going to make peace with him and want to stay with him. And that would be a spiritual disaster. So he prayed, please protect me from the hand of my brother, if he acts like my brother. And protect me if he acts like Asaph, from the hand of Asaph. And he put brother first, he says. The more scary and we see today, assimilation. When Esau acts towards us like a brother, it's the most dangerous thing for the Jewish people. Because even though we live among the nations and we're happy with them, we have nothing against them. But if they want us to give up of our mitzvahs like Esau did, that's a big problem. The of Be'elial Zutras says, Esau said, give up some of the mitzvahs that divide us you will thereby enjoy this world and still have half of the world to come. Isn't half enough? What was the problem? Because if Yaakov would give up even one mitzvah, he would drown in materialism. It brings a beautiful proof. Look at this. We know the word for exile is perach, hard labor. But it also could mean peirach, a soft mouth, smooth talking. And Yaakov was more worried about that exile than any other one. And that's exile we're in now. All the nations want to be friends with us. And slowly, slowly, we start to assimilate. We don't keep all the mitzvahs exactly. We want to be part of the group. We don't want to dress different. We don't want to have different names and different clothes. So we give that all up. That's what Yaakov was afraid of. the acts of the fathers, are a simon a sign for the sons. He says, Asaph will even adopt certain tenets of Judaism, such as monotheism, divinity of the Torah, reward and punishment, only if Yisrael give up some of their heritage. This is where we're standing now. Assimilation and intermarriage. What's the problem? So of Zilberstein, And in Sefer on Linus brings a beautiful story about this, about protecting ourselves from assimilating. He tells a story that the Briskarab in the last generation in Eretz Yisrael, when there was excavations in Tavaria. so there was a whole uproar why they were digging in areas where there were graves, which is forbidden, to build in Tavaria. So all the religious came to honor the dead, to stop this building. And the brisker Rav was at the head of the whole fight. So one time the brisker Rav invited government ministers to his home to try to persuade them to stop digging in these areas. And these were two Jews who didn't show much Shabbos and didn't keep anything. And of course they rejected everything that the Rav said based on the law. And they sat a long time in the meeting and nothing came out of the meeting and then they left. So the Brisker Rav asked one of his sons, what did they say? The sons said, what do you mean? You were at the meeting also. Why are you asking us what they said? Didn't you he hear what they said? He said, no, I didn't hear a word. I was afraid they would influence me with their incorrect perspectives. This is the Brisker Rav, the greatest Rav of the generation. He devoted his entire life to Torah and mitzvahs. His father and his grandfather were the Godolei olam, the biggest rabbis that ever lived in the generation. And he was afraid that these people were going to influence him? The answer is yes. That's how much we have to worry about the outside influences. And that's why we think everything's okay, actually. We're so influenced, we don't even know. After 2,000 years of exile... Imagine how far away we are really from the Torah and the Torah perspective, how much we have to protect ourselves. And this was the fear that Yaakov had of Esau, his brother. So after that long list of fears, different reasons to be afraid, and how it's actually healthy to be afraid, I want to bring Rav Hanek Leibowitz. So he brings a midrash Rabbah that says, that the story which was written in the Torah, how Yaakov was afraid of asaph was there to teach us. But the Jews of Persia learned it the wrong way. They became afraid, and they were sad, and had despair. And the Midrash tells us they did not interpret the situation properly. This emotional process rendered them incapable of helping themselves. But that's not the right way to learn it up. What's the right way to learn it up? He says like this, Yaakov was not frozen by his fear. He transformed that fear into an impotence for action, strengthening himself spiritually with tshuva and prayer, and physical preparations for battle. Yaakov uses fear to reinforce his faith in Hashem's protection and to spur himself onto action. Therefore, changing his hopeless situation into a hopeful one. His renewed trust in Hashem gave him peace of mind, comfort, and security. This kind of fear is a mitzvah. And it's mentioned in the Torah to be an example for us. So he says in our own lives, if we find ourselves afraid, afraid what's going to be? What's going to be with our parnasa, What's going to be with our financial situation? What's going to be with our children, our wives, our kids, our parents? What's the situation now? What's going to be with terrorism? I mean, there's no shortage of fears. I mean, go on for the next four hours of things to be afraid of. That's not the point. He says, when we find ourselves afraid, we must examine the direction of our fear and where it's leading us. Is our fear dragging us down or is it lifting us up? We must direct it properly and use it as a tool to better ourselves. The only fear that is justified is the fear of Hashem. All the other fears are a result of a lack of faith. The more we trust in Hashem and only Hashem, the less fear we'll have from others. The more we internalize this and engrave it in our minds, and the more productive and happy our lives will become. So yes, it's true. God put fear into the world. Or well, every human being is afraid of something, of certain situations. We're afraid. We have to use it for good, for positive, for growth, for personal growth. That's why Hashem put it in the world. That's what it's there for, to get us to move, to act, to pray, to prepare, to grow. And that's the lesson the Torah is teaching us. We learned it from Yaakov Ovinu. After he prayed, he had faith. He went up a level. And also in the positive, what our forefathers did is a simon for us. And if we have faith, and if we grow through fear, our children will also learn to grow through fear. They'll also learn how to cope with life. So all the negative and difficult situations that we have in life, we can turn them around to be positive to give us more faith, to pray more, to do the right thing and get back on the right path. Here is a powerful parable to open your mind and help you reach your potential. So the Magi Badu brings a muscle. The verse said, Yaakov was very frightened and distressed. So he says it's like this. A person wanted to know if he had good luck or bad luck. So he spoke to different wise people, and they told him, you know what you do? Play dice on your birthday, and see if you win or lose. If you make money on your birthday, that means you have good luck. But if you lose, surely you have bad luck. Obviously, it's not a Torah idea, it's just a muscle. But that's what they said to him. So what happened? He lost time after time. So he explains. The fact that he lost the game, the actual game, that wasn't the loss. The loss was that this man felt that he had bad luck. And from that point on, he was always afraid of everything. So too, Yaka wasn't actually afraid for himself. He was afraid of the future. Maisa, Avo, Simul, and he was afraid what's going to happen to all the future generations. That's what he was afraid of. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So the verse says, He put the handmaids and the children first, and Leah and her children later, and Rachel and Yosef last. So one time Reb Shach said, I have a tremendous Chiddush. I've had it for two weeks and I didn't tell anybody. So the people said, please, please tell us. So he says, I have a difficulty on this verse. How could it be that Yaakov differentiated between his children so much? Apparently it appears that the children that were and the wives that were less important to him, he put them in front. And the ones that were more important, Yosef and Rachel, he put in the back. How could it be? Is that the way for a father to act? Doesn't make any sense. So if Shaq says, I have a kid, it's just the opposite. We know that Yosef told his father how the other brothers used to make fun of the children of the handmaids. So Lahore, it appears that those children must have suffered a lot. And we know that suffering atones for sins. So it must be they had a greater merit, which will protect them. So therefore, he put the children and the handmaids in front. And we know that Leah and Leah's children felt less love than Rachel and Yosef. So they must have been more humble. And someone who's humble has more merits for salvation. Therefore, he put Leah and her children next. But Rachel and Yosef were loved the most, so they suffered the least. So they had the least amount of merits. So he put them last because they needed more protection. Rav Shach said this is the true understanding of the verse. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Rav Moshe Aaron Stern talks about laziness after marriage. So we know that after people get married, they start to get comfortable. That's a problem. So he brings the verse. It says, when Hashem widens your borders, and you keep all the mitzvahs to love Hashem, and you walk in his ways. Specifically then, you have to build more eerie Mikla, which means city of the refuge, where people have to go, that if somebody gets killed, he has to hide there. So why do we need more cities like this, bad things that are happening, at a time where everybody's following the mitzvahs? It should be the opposite. When they don't follow the mitzvahs, they have to have more eerie Mikla, because there's more Averis flying around, and there's more incidents like this, where people get killed, By accident. He says, no, just the opposite. When everybody's doing mitzvahs, that's where the Yetzirah comes in. That's where a lot of people fall. If there's a lot of people doing mitzvahs, a lot of people fall. More people fall. Because they become complacent. Oh yeah, everything's fine. Everybody's doing mitzvahs, right? He brings a proof from the Gemara in Sanhedrin seven eight. it says. One time there was a town named Kushta. Kushta means truth in Aramaic. And there people only spoke truth. And the angel of death had no power over that city. No one there ever died. So Rev Tavos went to go live there, and he married a local woman and had two children. One day the neighbor came by and wanted to speak to Rev Tavos' wife. And she was washing her hair. So he told her, She's not home. Why? Because it's not sneers. She's washing her hair. And he just told the lady, listen, she's not home. What happened? Because of this, the two sons died. So when the people heard that the two sons died, they said, listen, you have to leave immediately. Why didn't you tell the truth? So he asked the question, wait a second, this is Rav, Rav Davos. Didn't they check out before that he's a guy who always speaks truth? So they wouldn't let him come live there if he didn't speak truth. So why did he end up lying? The answer is, as long as Reftabos was not in that city, he had to stand up for the right values. So of course he never lied. But in this town, there was no struggle to tell the truth. It was easy. That's why he wound up telling a lie. I told the lie because of Sneas because his wife had her hair uncovered. Okay, but it still came out it was a lie. That's because he had his guard down. It says the same thing can happen to yeshiva guy. He gets married. And he's the biggest masmi. And now he marries the daughter of a tamachachim and he's on top of the world. From there he starts to fall. Like it says in Midrashir Shirim. when you were in Egypt, you were like a rose among the thorns. Be careful not to do as the other Gentiles of Canaan do. When they came to Israel, when they were in Egypt, they didn't change their names. They kept their language and their way of dress. And they were protecting themselves and they were on guard. All of a sudden they come to the Holy Land and everybody's holy and it's all holy there. So they start to slack off. That's why they had to make new laws and regulations to protect themselves. So too in your marriage you start to slack off. Before when you're going out together and you're dating, everybody's nice and everybody's kind. Then after you get married, eh, now you can relax, right? Nope. Now is not the time to relax. You have to continue with mitos tovos, with good character, doing the right thing. If you want to have peace in your house, that's what you're gonna to have to do. And it brings it right from Lotus also. Lot wanted to be in Sodom. Why? Because he was a Sattic over there. As long as Lot was in Sodom, everything's fine. He's a sadic. He So I don't want to go with Avram. If I go with Avram, I'm gonna be nothing. Ah, you'll say, listen, if a guy is righteous among the wicked, surely if he's righteous, he's gonna be righteous among the righteous. It's not so simple. Sometimes the opposite happens. So he says, sometimes Balchuva's they say, listen, in the beginning, they're on very high levels. And slowly they say, I'm no longer about Chuva. I'm like everybody else. Why does that happen? Because at the beginning, when they came to Yiddishkeit, they were very makhpid, very strict, and they guarded everything. And as time went by, they're not about Chuva anymore, I'm a regular guy. So they dropped levels same thing in your house. Shouldn't it be the longer you're married, I mean it's al that's the nature. The longer you're married, the more you relax, the more you let loose, the more you don't need to guard yourself. But that's not gonna lead to a happy home. If you wanna have a happy home, you have to continue to uplift yourself, to grow, to become even better and better, kinder and nicer, and more spiritual, and bring more spirituality into the house. That's what's going to give you peace in your home. Okay, that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends and please leave comments. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at GlobalYeshiva.com.